David Manor, good friend, exec, been executive director about a year, right? Yep. With the Kansas Nebraska Convention. You've been with him for a long time. I've known you for a long time. Have a lot of respect. I text him, call him occasionally. You're a great resource. I appreciate all that you are, and we're very honored to have you here. Before you talk, yeah, Jordan and I and Ben were at Exponential Conference this last week down in Orlando, Florida in the 80s while you guys had cold temperatures. We had a lot of precipitation that was not expected. I don't know if you saw the article of Disney World getting flooded on Monday night, and we were by a lake, but thankfully we were close to an overhang we were able to get under when that hit and rained hard for about an hour. So we were all fine. But uh, So we left 80 degrees and a lot of wet rain precipitation and flew back here Thursday to 20-some degrees and snow on the road. So, um, But it's really good to be back. It was a great conference, just challenged in a lot of things. I know you guys have gone at least once because we had dinner with you guys up yep. down there one yep. year. So, um, But appreciate you and excited to hear. I've already heard the word of the Lord you have to bring from Joshua and excited for you to presented to these Thank you, Garen. second service. So. Yeah, it's good to be back, and Garen and I have been friends for a long time, and have gotten to know Jordan well, and uh, I, actually, Garen, I remember the first time we met together, I hadn't been at the convention very long, so it's been almost two decades, uh, we met at Applebee's uh, for lunch, uh, and just kind of get to know each other and hang out, so that was a pretty good, uh, enjoyable time. And, uh, a few months ago, I met with your worship teams, your student worship team and uh, adult worship team, too, and uh, they had a retreat weekend, so I got to come over and, and teach a little bit, so that was uh, really enjoyable, too. So it's, it's good to connect with you. I've been here to preach before, uh, so it's always good to be back. And uh, I think Garen was trying to get sympathy that they had 80 degree and 80 degree temperature and rain, but I have none for them uh, that uh, would, would love to have been that kind of weather. So uh, also, thank you for coming on this Time Change Sunday. I, I told the first service that, that I'm going to start a petition if you want to sign it, um, that, that Daylight Savings Time Spring Forward should start at, on Friday afternoon, some Friday afternoon at 4 p.m., so that we all just get to go home a, an hour early on a Friday instead of how it normally does. I don't know who we'd send that to because I don't know who makes those decisions, uh, but uh, none of us really like that. So, Well, as we think about um, this message this morning from Joshua, and I appreciate Jen, we connected as she was planning worship and her life verses. We look at this text. This is a great lesson for the Israelites, but it's also a great lesson for us. Because those of us uh, in, the, in church life, and just in general, those of us, uh, came into 2022, and we're in the first quarter of that now, and we came into the, this year and entered with, with mixed emotions of both hope that things would kind of get back to normal, and then apprehension that we wouldn't actually recognize what that normal is. So those expectations that things are going to change, as we've uh, realized through these last couple of years, when we did church during the pandemic, we had to make some radical adjustments to how we did ministry to continue doing those, those church things. And so as a result, I think we've realized that, that how we do church in the future will never be exactly the same again because of what we've experienced in the last two years. And my take on that is it shouldn't, or we haven't learned anything in these last couple of years with that too. So us as a church, much like the Israelites, when they were getting ready to cross over the Jordan to this place of uncertainty, it's a place God had promised to them, but it, but it was uncertain to them, and they've been wandering around the wilderness. We too are getting ready as a church, as individuals, to cross over a Jordan into a place maybe that's uncertain for us too. We're not sure what the future is going to look like. For the church, we know that it's just going to be somewhat different. 
but like the church before the pandemic. Those ministry principles on this side of the river haven't changed when we move to the other side of the river. The principles don't change, even though the practices often do. Principles never change. Those foundational uh, biblical and theological principles, those, those foundational God principles don't change, but the practices often do. So in our time this morning, as we look at the book of Joshua, and we're going to look at, at the first four chapters, we're not going to read all those verses, but we're going to look at a story in those first four chapters of Joshua. When, when Moses reached the end of his life, he reminded the Israelites that God had chosen Joshua for such a time and place as this. And he, had, he encouraged them to be strong and courageous and to follow Joshua as he led them into this new place, into this place of uncertainty. I want to stop just a second there because I believe that, that God has chosen 12th Avenue for such a time and place as this too. Even if we're not certain what that time or that place actually is, we look at different ministries in the future. But when God calls us to those places of ministry, he also never promises us that he's going to, he's going to reveal all, all that to us. And he's not going to, uh, he never promised that always, we'd always be appreciated and revered and loved and, and followed, but he did promise us that he would never leave us or forsake us. So be strong and courageous. So he's called us for such a time and place as this, even if we might not recognize that time and place on the other side. So that book of Joshua begins with, with God telling Joshua and the people to get ready. Get ready to cross that river. And so with these, word, these words, arise and cross the Jordan, the Lord is actually saying to Joshua and the Israelites and to us, it's time to get out of the desert, it's time to quit wandering around, and it's time to actually cross over to the other side. So those words arise and cross means to take up your armor, God's supernatural resources, Stop trusting in your own abilities and your own desires and your own preferences and trust in a God who knows better than we do when it's time to move out and cross to the other side. I don't usually, in my teaching, preaching, use alliteration, but it actually fits with this. You'll see each one of these starts with a, the, a letter C. So here's the first one. Crossing the Jordan requires a calling. It requires a calling. The text is on the screen, so let's look at Joshua chapter 1. Beginning with verse 1, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5 to start with in Joshua chapter 1. That uh, If we're to cross the Jordan, it requires a calling. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness in Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites and west of the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. What a great challenge and encouragement to the people of Israel, but also to us. See, that understanding of a calling is that is that instruction or command or duty given to an individual or a group of people. Same thing is, is true of us. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 2, he said uh, to them, Now you and all these people get ready to cross the, the river. And he said to them, I am about to give you something when you cross that river. I love those two words in that phrase, about to. I grew up in southern Oklahoma, and, and in, in southern Oklahoma, we didn't say about to when something was getting ready to happen. 
We actually said fixing to. So God is actually saying to them through Joshua, I'm, I'm fixing to do something through you or with you. I'm getting ready to do something, so you get ready. Prepare yourselves for that. My mom used to say with my sister and I, who my sister was two years older than I, and we would travel in that 1960 white station wagon to Tennessee to see grandparents. When we were cutting up in the back seat, she would say to us when we were cutting up, I'm fixing to come in the back seat and get between the two of you. So it's that idea that something is getting ready to happen. And God said, I'm about to do something with you. And I believe that's true of us, too, as a church. God was calling them to go into this land that had been promised to them for generations. But before they could do this, they needed to prepare themselves spiritually. You remember, they, they tried to go in 40 years earlier, but because they got ahead of God, they didn't let, they didn't let God go first and then follow him then they had to wander around in the wilderness. It's a great challenge for us, too, especially when things are uncertain. When things are uncertain, we often want to get ahead of God and expect God to join us in that. But what God is saying to them and to us, let me lead and you follow, even if you're not sure where we're going. These last two years have really seemed like almost 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. But this promise or call from God is a great encouragement for us as we think about what it means to cross that river to the other side. Because when it's God that is actually calling, uh, he, he said in this passage, He will give us every place we set our feet as long as He is the one that's leading us across there. And our territory will be expanded and no distractors or detractors inside or outside the church will be able to stand against us or what God is doing. And I'm not a prophet, but I do believe that God is about to do something through His church, and 12th Avenue is a part of that. God acts and calls, and we respond in obedience. He alone is the giver, and we are the receivers and the responders to that call. And again, sometimes when things get scary or uncertain, we try to get ahead of God and just expect Him to join us. But if you remember a study a couple of decades ago, Henry Blackaby did that study on experiencing God. His statement was, find out where God is at work and join him in that work. And I think this is what, what Joshua was talking about here in this passage. Verse 5 is such a heartwarming message to the, to the Israelites, but also to us. Because in verse 5, that text says that no one will be able to stand up against us. And God will never leave us or forsake us if we follow his call. If, however we try to do it alone... It may cause us to wander around in the wilderness again. There's a second lesson that I think we see from verses 6 through 9, that, that crossing the Jordan from this passage uh, requires courage. Look at verses 6 through 9 in chapter 1. requires courage. He said, Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous. To observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not, turn, do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What a great encouragement challenge from this word that, that we also need to have that courage 
Three times in just those few, those few verses, Joshua told them that through God's leadership, be strong and courageous. This was, Jim was talking about this as her life verse, that, that understanding that God is with us wherever we go, so you must be strong and courageous. There are going to be times in the coming weeks and months and maybe even years as we, as the church, try to discern where God is actually leading us. There's going to be times when we need to remind each other especially when things change or maybe they're moving too quickly for you or not quickly enough for you, to be strong and courageous. We need to encourage each other with those words, that we aren't in this alone. God is with us wherever we go. How often we've actually needed to hear those words these last couple of years too. Be strong and courageous. I know life is uncertain right now. As we think internationally what's going on, we can get discouraged with that, but God is reminding us, I'm with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. The Israelites didn't have any idea what God might be doing or where he was going to lead them. They'd sent some spies in, so they knew a little bit, enough to actually scare them more than anything. And so they were uncertain about what this land might look like on the other side. So they didn't know what awaited them on the other side of the Jordan, nor do we in the Jordan that we will cross. God just asked them at this point in the story, to get ready to cross the Jordan. He didn't tell them what changes might require of them. He didn't tell them what dangers or conflicts they might face or, or what struggles they might endure or what things they might have to change. He just said, get ready to cross over to the other side. So as we cross our own Jordans to those places of uncertainty, we too may be asked to make some adjustments. We might be asked to make some changes. It may take us out of that sweet spot of ministry that we so loved before. We may have to set aside some of those preferences that we had before if God is leading us to a new place of ministry. So even if we are now the ones saying we've never done it like this before, be strong and courageous. And if things aren't firing back up quickly enough for you, or maybe they're firing back up too quickly for you, be strong and courageous. And if after we actually cross that Jordan to that new place, whatever that might look like or whatever that might be, and we no longer recognize those, those ministry territory on the other side, be strong and courageous. If crossing the Jordan requires maybe some new leaders to surface in some of those ministries, be strong and courageous. If crossing the Jordan requires us to learn some new ministry languages, we need to be strong and courageous. And I think probably one of the hardest ones for us to endure in a new season is when Crossing the Jordan requires us to lay all of those previous ministries on the table to, to, to determine if they have validity after we cross the, the Jordan on the other side of whether we actually take them up off the table or not. We need to be strong and courageous. And finally, if crossing that Jordan requires us to no longer do that ministry that we so loved before, maybe that sweet spot or that zone of ministry that we really thrived in, when it's no longer required, we need to be strong and courageous. Crossing the Jordan sometimes might be painful, but wouldn't it be worth it to no longer wander around in the wilderness? There's a third lesson. We're going to skip ahead. I, we're doing the first four chapters. We're going to read every verse, but ch skip ahead to chapter 3. I'm going to read a longer passage, verses 1 through 13, that crossing the Jordan also then requires consecration. That's not a word we often use, but I'll explain that as we look at this text. Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Joshua started early the next morning and left the Acacia Grove with all the Israelites. They went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before crossing. 
Notice they, they didn't immediately cross, but they stayed on the riverbank. After three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priest, you are to break camp and follow it. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between yourselves and the ark. Don't go near it so that you can see the way to go, for you haven't traveled this way before. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Then he said to the priests, carry the ark of the covenant and go on ahead of the people. So they carried the ark of the covenant and went ahead of them. The Lord spoke to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so they will know that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. Command the priest, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the water, stand in the Jordan. And then Joshua told the Israelites, come closer and listen to the words of the Lord your God. He said, you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly dispossess before you the Canaanites, Hethites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites, when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of the whole earth goes ahead of you, into the Jordan. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. And when the feet of the priest who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the whole earth, come to rest in the Jordan's water, its water will be cut off and the water flowing downstream will stand up in a mass. That's a lot of verses there. There's several things I want to point out from that text that Joshua, in this, this lesson, it requires courage, it requires calling, but it also requires consecration. We can't possibly know where God is about to lead us if we aren't actually spending time with Him. God can't lead us to a place if we're not spending that quality time with Him. That word consecration means to sanctify or to be made holy or to be set apart. So consecration is, is a separation for those things that from those things that are unholy so we can focus more on those things that are holy. So God is telling them and telling us that if we're going to be able to cross this river to a place of uncertainty, we need to prepare ourselves spiritually. So Joshua told them in verse 5 of chapter 3, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And what, a, what an encouraging text that is. I think he's saying the same thing to us. When, when we prepare ourselves spiritually, God will do amazing things among us. Now, I'm one of those guys that want to know what that list of amazing things are. But in this case, with the Israelites and with us often too, he just says, get ready. It's coming. I'm going to do amazing things. And sometimes, again, we try to get ahead of God and find out what those are. But he didn't tell them what they were. He just uh, encouraged them to prepare. That preparation for entering this new place of ministry for them, and often for us too, is not necessarily just a, a physical or even military preparation in this case but it was actually that spiritual preparation. I love verse 3 in that passage. He said in verse 3, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, follow it. So we know that the Ark of the Covenant was that, that symbol of God's presence with them. And so he was saying to them, Look ahead, and when you see God at work, follow Him. When God is leading the way, we must follow Him. Some instructions were given to them too, and they said, don't, don't get any closer than a thousand yards behind the Ark of the Covenant because that way you won't get ahead of God and also because of the holiness of God that you can't just get too close to Him. If God doesn't go before us, then we shouldn't be going. And we wait for His timing and His way and His leadership. I think there's actually a little bit of humor in verse 8 
that we might have missed. Because look at verse 8 again in that, that passage in chapter 3. He's talking to the priests or the leaders that were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the water, stand in the Jordan. Now, what he didn't tell them was, when you reach the edge of the water, stand at the edge of the water, and I'm going to separate that water, and then you can cross over on dry land. What he told the priests, those leaders, when you go down to the Jordan, step into the water. Now, I can imagine the priests at, at that time, we don't know this, but this is what I would be asking. Joshua, are you sure you got that message right? Are you sure, are you sure that's really what God was telling us? That we're, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with going in there and getting close, but to actually step into the water? And in fact, we know from uh, biblical historians that, that, as we'll read a little bit later too, that, that they believe because of the spring rains that the Jordan River had overflowed its banks, and they believe that the Jordan at the place they were getting ready to cross was as much as a mile wide, and it was a rushing river. So the, those priests, those leaders had to have enough faith then that God was leading them to just actually step into that water and then he was going to do what he said he would, was going to do. The priests and the people saw this rushing river ahead of them and it wasn't just a creek, so it took faith for all of them to begin to cross over that. So preparing ourselves spiritually allows us then to say, I, I'm ready to step into that river and cross over that river even if I'm uncertain what's on the other side. I'm going to step out of this passage because Garen talked about um, in Daniel, and we'll talk about the uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in just a minute, but in Daniel chapter 12, if you've ever read Daniel, Daniel is one of those books like Revelation that we always put on the back burner because they're just weird. You know, somebody, as you read through there, there's just some strangeness there of the, the vision of the future that are they're really difficult to understand. It's hard to teach from. But in Daniel chapter 12, that's the last chapter in Daniel, Daniel is questioning God much the same way we, we would. He had seen all these visions of the future, and Daniel was crying out to God, God, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand what you're trying to show me, what you're trying to tell us, what we need to do with this. And in fact, he was crying out in chapter 12, and I believe that this last vision was not only for us, but also for Daniel in that moment. Because the last vision to Daniel was this vision that says that there was a man standing over the middle of the river, and he was dressed in linen. It means he was dressed in white. And then the text says that on either side of the bank, on both riverbanks, there were two other men dressed in linen. The biblical scholars believe that the man in the middle of the river was actually the angel Gabriel giving this message to Daniel. And in paraphrase, the, the angel Gabriel actually said to Daniel, Daniel, we know that you don't get this. We know you don't understand all of this. But it's okay. Because God does. There's an old Hebrew saying that God has both banks covered. What a great picture. As we think about crossing from this side to that side, to that place of uncertainty, that God is no long, no, not only with us on this side, but he's also going to be on the other side because he has both banks covered. There's a fourth lesson that we'll uh, end with today. The fourth lesson is this, that crossing the Jordan also then requires commitment. It requires a calling and courage and requires consecration, but it also requires commitment. In chapter 3, verse 14, I'm going to read a little bit, a few verses here, and then we'll skip over just a few verses in, in chapter 4. In verse 14, when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. Now the Jordan overflows its banks, like I talked about a minute ago, throughout the harvest season. But as soon as the priests carrying the Ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge, 
And the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam, a city next to Zarethan. The water flowing downstream into the Sea of Arabah, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. And the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. In verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 10, the priests carrying the Ark continued standing in the middle of Jordan until everything was completed to the, uh, that the Lord had commanded Joshua to tell the people in keeping with all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people hurried across, do you think? And after everyone had finished crossing, the priests with the ark of the Lord crossed in the sight of the people. Several things we want to unpack here. Here's here's the commitment we need to make. If, If we as God's people, much like the Israelites, if we're going to follow God's lead, and, and cross this post-pandemic River Jordan, no matter what that is, we actually have to cross the Jordan. See, uh, conviction isn't enough until you also have commitment. Conviction isn't enough until it includes action. It's not enough just to think we need to do that until actually we actually cross that river to that place of uncertainty. Much like those priests, we actually have to go down there and step into the water. And and like the Israelites, we have to be willing to cross over dry land and knowing that you see that river backed up there. And that's why they hurried across. Our initial response to something new and uncertain, and I think this is especially true of church life, when we are called to leave here to cross over there, our initial response is, but I like it here. And I want things to get back exactly the same way they were here two years ago. Or I like what we've done here, and I'm uncertain about what there is, so I don't want to go there. And since much of that pandemic is behind us, we want everything to get back to normal like it was before here. We want to fire everything back up like it was before. Remember the people of Israel tried to get ahead of God again and wander around the wilderness for 40 years because of that. And I love verse 14. And you may, We read that verse, but... You may have skipped over just these few verses, or a few words, actually, in, in, in verse 14. And it says this, when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan. If God is calling us there from here, we actually have to break camp here. And some of us have been camped here for so long. We're even willing to say, I don't care if God's leading us there, I'm going to stay here. And I'm going to try to keep as many people here with me as I possibly can. God will allow us to do that, much like he did the Israelites. But when we do that, it means we're going to wander around in the wilderness for a time. Here's a key point. The commitment to cross over there from here, even when there is uncertain, is the reality that we can't do it without God leading us. We can't do it on our own. In fact, in the story, if you remember the story, just a highlight of that, the ark led the way, that, that symbol of God's presence among them led the way into the water. So God must go ahead of us if we're crossing to a place of uncertainty across that river. And the text says, then the priest stayed in the river. So not only did God lead them there, but that symbol of God stayed in the middle of the river on dry ground until all those people had crossed over. And then the text said, and as soon as everybody had gotten through there, the priest stepped out on the other side. So God leads us in to that place of uncertainty, stays with us while we're there, 
and then steps out on the other side because he has both banks covered. So I think it's time to break camp here and move forward there. So the question we have to ask is, are we ready? Am I ready? Individually, we have to make that commitment. Am I ready to break camp here? Even if I'm not sure, I'm going to like what is there. For two years, we as a church have been praying for and hoping for and believing that God will deliver us from this season. And I think we're, we're finally getting to the other side of that. And, and this season has handcuffed some of our ministries in our churches. We've prayed and implored God to return things to normal or at least some kind of normal that we would recognize or appreciate or maybe even like where we can thrive again in ministry. So let me come back to something that, that Garen said uh, earlier in the service when he was talking about that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember that story earlier in, in Daniel? When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were godly men, but uh, in, in that third chapter of Daniel, it's recorded that King Nebuchadnezzar demanded that all nations, all people, bow down to this created idol, this golden idol, and bow down and worship that idol. And if you didn't, you would be then uh, killed or thrown into this fiery furnace. And you remember that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to decide, they had to, de to determine, we're, are we going to bow down to this created idol and live? Are we willing to bow down to the one true God and potentially lose our lives? And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to the king, uh, they, they chose obviously to bow down to the living God, and they, they responded to the king, and they said, if we are thrown into this fiery furnace... The God we serve is able to, and we believe will deliver us from this fiery furnace. But the next phrase is key. But even if he doesn't, that's not going to change our calling to follow him. What a great challenge for us. We want things to be back to normal, but even if they aren't, even if they don't, we still need to be willing to follow God across that river. And he is able, and we believe at some point, will get us back to some of those ministries. But even if he doesn't, what he has is even better than that. So how about you? Are you called and courageous and consecrated and committed to break camp here if God is calling us there, no matter what faces us on the other side of the river? But as the text said at the beginning, we can be strong and courageous. Even in that uncertainty, because God is leading the way in, he's going to stay with us while we're there, and he's going to cross over to the other side and give us courage on the other side, too. We, too, are called for such a time and place as this. Let's pray. God, thanks for that uh, hard challenge, because uh, it is difficult. The season we're going through now, right now, the last two years have been so difficult as we think about just, just doing life, but also trying to do ministry, and now we think about some of these international things that are going on. Father, it's so easy to be discouraged, uncertain about the future, and we, like Daniel, are crying out to you, God, we don't get it, we don't understand, we don't understand what you're doing. We, we want to know what you're doing ahead of time, but, and, and Father, we just need to trust you because you have both banks covered. So Father, help us to be consecrated spiritually, be ready for wherever you lead us. And Father, we're ready to follow you to that place, even though it's uncertain, because we know that you can give us that strength and that courage as we face that uncertainty. We pray this in your name. Amen.
Thank you again for the opportunity to be with you this morning. 12th Avenue, you are sent. Thank you.